I'm Rena Striggle. Welcome to the Courage to Breakthrough podcast. Each of us has an exceptional ability to impact the world. We're here to make the world a better place by living life with awareness and fulfilling our unique purpose. It's time to break through obstacles and fear in order to stop wishing something will happen and start making a courageous life a reality. Your journey starts right now. Hi everyone, I am so excited today to be talking to Kelly Lankford. She is the Principal Interior Designer and CEO of KHL Design Studio in Lee Summit, Missouri. Kelly has had an amazing journey of entrepreneurship where she moved from a very large metropolitan area into the Lee Summit area, began her journey as an entrepreneur, as a designer, and then moved her business from her home to a shared office space to now an, a, an office space where she houses her businesses and she's recently opened the Inspo store where she now has a retail store for design items as well as her design studio. Kelly is an amazing woman. She's a contributor to her community. She's had a great journey. And so I'm super excited to be able to introduce her to you today. Okay, everybody, I'm so excited to be here with Kelly Lankford. She is the owner of KHL Design in Lee Summit, Missouri. And I have known Kelly for a long time. We were friends way back in the early days of both of us becoming an entrepreneur. And since that time of when I first met Kelly, she has come a long way and has made some of her dreams that she had way back in the beginning days of her business actually turn into a reality. And I wanted to jump on and talk with her today and share her story with you because she has just recently opened up a retail store in Lee Summit. And Kelly, I'm going to let you introduce your store and kind of what that's all about. Okay. Okay. So we just opened up a store. It's called Inspo. So a lot of people, especially of 25 years in South, don't know what that word means, but you'll see it more and more now that you hear it. But Inspo is a shortened definition of inspiration that you'll see in social media. So um, inspo is kind of like Instagram language for inspiration. So through our design business, we look for inspiration in a lot of places that might be nature, it might be travel. Um, so we are constantly looking for inspiration to do design work for um, our interior design clients. And so we thought that was a great name for our store because Part of why we're opening a store is to make interior design and cool products and furnishings available to a larger audience. And um, that interior design can be intimidating to some people. So, uh, you know, a lot of people won't call us because they think interior designs for a certain socioeconomic group or um, it just seems intimidating. And so what's been great with the store is we've kind of broken down some of that intimidation 
and people can come in and just shop for something cool, but we're getting a lot more inquiries about our design services because I feel like we're a little bit more accessible to people now. So, yeah. So let's go back a few years and let's start about the, the very start of KHL because at that point in time, you did not have a design studio. And so just kind of talk about the mindset of moving from you know, a business that was basically just you into a business that moved into, you know, a, a, a space and now a business that has expanded into kind of multiple channels to reach clients. So kind of talk a little bit about that journey that you went through with that. Okay. Well, um, I mean, it, we moved to Kansas City Metro in 2006. And so at that time, the economy was just starting to nosedive. And I think we were just starting to see it on the coast. I was moving from Washington, D.C. area, and I don't think it really hit the Midwest yet. And so when I came into Kansas City, I was starting to interview at design firms. I had always worked for somebody else. And it had always been a dream to have my own design studio. And when I moved to Kansas City, just the realization of I have no network here <laughs> because I have never worked in, in Kansas City. I did go to college and was raised in the Midwest, but I had never worked and you know, developed my career in Kansas City. And so I was at a real disadvantage in that way. Um, so I had entertained going to work for a firm and um, could not get excited about it. I don't know, you know, it just felt like um, just the next job, I guess. And so I made the decision and it was a tough decision because my family was used to dual income and, you know, it was a risk and the economy was starting to go down, but I took that risk. And honestly, I'm so glad I did because it made, it forced me to put myself out there and build my network. And that's really, you know, when I met you, Rena, kind of in those beginning years of spending a lot of time networking and building people's trust that you're a, you know, trusted person in your field and that they, you know, feel good recommending you and having you in their home or having you take control of the look of their business. So um, did that leap and you know, it was a struggle through that tough economy. And um, I feel like every time I had thought, this is it, like I just, it's, no, I, I don't know that I can do this anymore. And then literally like the next day, the phone would ring and it'd be like the next great new job, <laughs> you know? So I had a couple of those moments. And I, I actually, I remember talking to you on the phone because you were my business coach at the time and just saying, oh, like I just, you know, I'm so tired of trying and trying and trying and it, nothing's dropping. And, and then something dropped literally like the next day. So that client just um, really spurred a lot of growth. And then later I had um, a commercial client that reached out to me who they were a um, architecture firm that through that tough economy had laid off their interior design staff. So they had nobody in house and they had a project that come, came up that they needed an interior designer. And so a friend of mine that had built my website had just launched it literally like maybe weeks before I got that phone call and um, they found my website, they called me and I mean, they're still 
probably my best client to date. That was eight or nine years ago. And, you know, we've done several big commercial projects together now. And so I, I don't know, I, I'm probably getting rambling, <laughs> but um, those moments kind of got me to at least have a really good clientele base that I could take the leap to getting my own studio. And so that started off sharing um, a studio space with two other people that did different businesses. We just piled or combined together to kind of have a co-working space. So that was that stuff. And then we moved locations to a bigger location. And then as roommates changed, that happened with me. And um, so finally, when my last roommate decided they were moving on, um, we decided we have this fantastic location. Um, we're right in the heart of downtown Lee Summit, the storefront. And I had always had my design studio up front because we have these great windows and I need natural light to do my work. And so I'd always been up front anyways. And when the people in the back decided they were downsizing and moving out, I decided that, well, I should just take this space and I should finally do this dream that I had from, you know, 15, 20 years ago of doing a combined interior design and, and retail outfit. And so it, became the right time to do that. So That's awesome. Kind of the journey. Yeah. So at every point in time, you know, I think that you you've, you know, described a situation that a lot of people go through of, you know, facing that moment where it feels like you should quit. So if you were to give advice to people who are in you know, trying to start a business or in the, it have maybe had a business going for a little while. And all of a sudden it seems like the clients have gone, the clients have dried up, the business isn't there. What would you advise them? Cause it sounds like you've, you've kind of had a couple of those little hops where you've had those moments of uncertainty about whether or not your business was viable. What, what advice would you give to people who were maybe in that same position or maybe fearful that they shouldn't start a business because they would fail potentially? Well, I think everything starts with having a passion for what you do. And so if you're in love with what you do and you want to invest into it and, and you do, you know, you end up when you start a business, you know, pouring yourself into it with hours and hours worth of work. But if it's still in your heart, what you love to do then I believe you're going to succeed. I mean, it's become laughable between me and my husband that when I have those moments, and sometimes they're not justified, you know, I, I'll feel like enough work hasn't come in in the last month. Why isn't, you know, why is it, why are things drying up? And then literally it's the next day or within a few days that I get a phone call on a new project. So I, I get anxious, <laughs> you know, easily. And I think other people do too. You know, you, you're watching things and you think you overthink it. And, but I truly believe that when you are good at what you do and your heart's in it, then you have to just continue to retool, you know, your approach maybe mm -hmm. like today we retooled, you know, laying out some of the store, you know, because we want to mix it up. We want to keep it interesting. And, um, you know, if things aren't working, then what's a better way to do that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. What would you say 
are some of the biggest things that you've had to overcome in terms of being an entrepreneur? What are what is maybe your biggest fear that you've overcome in this journey to get where you are today? My biggest fear, I think in the beginning, it was really the networking piece, you know, not having a established, um, you know, just credentials in a city, I think was where I started was that nobody knew who I was. And, um, you know, I think in a lot of industries and design is one of them, it's, it can be a tight knit community community and within that community people will bounce around to different jobs and I moved in here and I didn't know those people you know and so I kind of became this outlying person which actually ended up being a great thing for me because Kansas City is a little bit unique in their design community where they have these humongous firms that do sports complexes and I had always done commercial work but um I hadn't, you know, ever done my own thing. And I found that a lot of smaller projects were looking for somebody like me because those big firms have big price tags and big overhead. And, you know, they just wanted some, they just wanted to walk away with a cool design space and they didn't need all that extra, you know, thousands of dollars contract that these big firms command. Mm -hmm they can and they got they yeah. have big stuff going on yeah and so we found a nice niche but it took a long time to develop and the fear of putting myself out there and networking and I think that's you know supernatural for some people and not for others you know mm -hmm. I I can put on the outgoing hat but at heart I'm pretty introverted you know mm -hmm. and I'm a fairly quiet person <laughs> you know but you have to build relationships. And I think, you know, getting one-on-one -on -one with people in a networking um, way is how I helped really build my relationships and, um, you know, get to know people in the industry on a more intimate level. And, you know, not even, I don't think you can go into it either just looking for work. You know, you right. go into it looking to build relationships and, I think that was the hardest part was just, you know, putting yourself out there. I'm not, I'm not a natural salesperson, you know? And so, um, that's probably what I had to overcome is my, yeah. in, in, you know, building that network where there, was there a person or a couple of people who were really instrumental in mentoring you or coaching you in order to help you maybe avoid some of the mistakes that maybe you could have been if you would have sort of stayed isolated as an entrepreneur? How important has that been in your journey? Sure. I mean, I think once you go out on your own and have a small business, like all those other peers of small business owners, it's so valuable to hear from them, like what worked and what didn't. And I certainly seek out other business owners to ask those questions. Um, before I opened the store, another store had just opened about, you know, right around the corner from us and, and they're friends of mine, you know, and so I really sat down with them a couple of times and really picked their brains about what worked and what didn't. And they were so honest and just upfront about what their failures were. 
and how I could learn from that. And um, I don't know, did I answer your question? Yeah, I think that's a really <laughs> great point because I think that's one of the things that people get fearful about is, you know, can I ask those types of questions or will people feel like I'm, you know, trying to get, you know, do they see me as competition and maybe they won't want to share? And does that make me look dumb that I don't already know? And so I think that's really good advice to people who are thinking about embarking into small business is to you know, seek out people and learn from others and get best practices so that you don't have to waste and, so much time making mistakes. Well, and you saying that kind of reminded me of like, I, I do think that that's important too, like um, to as you're seeking people out that may be seeing you as a competitor to, to right off the bat, be open about that. And what are our boundaries and how can we help each other? You know, there's another store just right up the street from us that has the same, you know, they have home decor and things too, but a totally different look than us. You know, mm -hmm. they're much more French country and we're much more modern and mid-century. So I just kind of approached her and just said, you know, what are some of the big brands that you're buying or, or some of your good vendors and I'll stay away from those. And, you know, these are some of the ones that I have and, you know, let's just make sure we are different, you know, different and unique. And I approached it more that way so that, you know, maybe we can help each other and we end up having more of a little shopping district here on our end of the street where people are coming to look for home decor. And yeah interested in my stuff they might be interested in hers and mm -hmm. you know so how can we help each other instead of I think sometimes um, people get on their heels a lot about their competitors and I don't know I think in some ways I've kind of learned how to just embrace like how you can work with one another and mm -hmm. still be different you know yeah yeah what I think the collaboration that that is such a strong point for entrepreneurs because it's, it's always such a tendency to get isolated anyway, you know, especially in the, in the world of small business, cause you're not sure who is a friend and who is, you know, maybe going to be less than supportive. And so that collaboration mindset, how can we help each other? I think that's a great message. Mm -hmm. What would you say is maybe the biggest sacrifice that you've had to make in terms of being an entrepreneur and, you know, really growing a business from, you know, where you started in a brand new city to where you are today, which is, you know, known employees, store, office space. What, what would you say were some of the biggest sacrifices that you've had to make? I know you, you sent me this question and honestly, I struggled with it because I don't know that I feel like I make a lot of sacrifices. Like I feel like you set your goals, you set your boundaries on how much time you can give to some of that. And that's, I think for small business owners, always a struggle is time management. And it is for me too. But I think, you know, if I had to pick something, it would be just how much time I've had to, I guess, sacrifice to the business, but I don't see it as a sacrifice because building that gives me more freedom to do other things. And, you know, I have a family and I always put my kids first and, um, you know, I, I care about my business a ton, but I won't sacrifice my kid's soccer game for a network event or something, you know what I mean? Like, you, you, I think 
every small business owner has to set boundaries. And if you don't, then that's when you get sucked down a hole where maybe years later you feel like you did have to sacrifice a lot. And Mm -hmm. nobody wants to feel like that. You want to be living the life you want to live and, you know, where you want to be. And hopefully you love your business and your, what you do enough that it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about design a little bit. Do you care if we talk about design? Sure. Just a little I bit. Like to talk about design a lot. Because <laughs> I think that that's one thing that, that I find with a lot of entrepreneurs is they get really caught up in, if I'm going to have a business that I want it to look a certain way and I want to have like the big office space and I want to do all of these things. So in your experience of working with businesses who are maybe, you know, in those first few years, what would be, you know, some, some tips that you would say in terms of how to make the space, you know, homey and a, you know, like a good place to work, a good place for creative work to occur without maybe feeling like you've got to go out and just, you know, put a lot of money into an office space, like maybe in the first you know, first few years while we, while you're investing money in kind of your, your business, just getting it started. Well, I don't think it's bad to have baby steps and like a lot of our clients. And I think what's really come around is it used to be, honestly, when I started in commercial design, almost all the work I did for this architecture firm was they would go into like a floor of an office building or wherever the space was, gut the entire thing. And then we would space plan out the perfectly laid out office for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of a dated approach anymore because there's so much space already built out. So, I mean, part of this is the coming around of recycling and, you know, not filling our landfills with carpet and, you know, not tearing out everything. But I think it's really tooled in for small businesses to look for the, a space that fits you. And maybe that's not what's going to fit you in five or 10 years. But think about your growth plan and what can you do now? And I think utilizing existing built out space for one saves you so much money. You know, if you can find the right space that has you know, maybe it's a couple offices that you need and some open space for collaboration, whatever those needs are, but try and find something that fits it in the area that you think, you know, you want to be in and start there. Um, In terms of like look and feel, we talk to a lot of businesses that are opening about, you know, they're so concerned about branding for their website and their marketing materials but really your interior is a brand extension or extension of your brand as well. So, you know, what colors that is, um, you know, to just, you know, it depends on what your business is, but you know, if you're a med spa that has a totally different feel than like an auto body shop or something. Mm -hmm. And so um, figuring out what that brand image is and maybe in the beginning it's, you know, a cool reception area that embraces that brand or, Mm -hmm. you know, and I have several clients that sometimes they'll do the whole space. They're opening, they've got the money to do it and we knock out the whole thing and that's great. But others, you know, people are starting with, this is all I have and, you know, and, and then something else costs more and that takes a piece out of it or whatever. 
And, you know, we're constantly value engineering. <laughs> and given yeah. that my piece is a lot of times the last, <laughs> you know, it's, it's figuring out how to balance someone's budget to get that most bang out of yeah. their buck, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I, I've seen also a change in terms of not only like, you don't have to build out the whole thing straight from the beginning and, you know, kind of adapt a space to work for a while. I've also seen it change that, um, what we call like resumercial. So it's like people want commercial spaces to start feeling more homey and like a little bit more residential feeling, I mm -hmm. guess, you know, with like breakout areas that have sofas and I don't know, maybe some quirky pieces or, and some art or, you know, just having different kind of spaces um, that either their customer will find cool or will make employees want to work there or, you know, and that's kind of been part of the whole evolution of Google and Facebook and these companies that like have scooters that go around, you know, their, their corporate offices, but it's because it's all about trying to, you know, get it to work and have a fun place to be, whether that be from an employee standpoint or a, or a customer standpoint but have the, having them just kind of feel comfortable in your, in your interior and pull off yeah. the brand image you want to. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of trend now of people working from home as well. What are, you know, what would be some tips for people who are, or have the ability to work from home or they're starting their businesses from their home and maybe they're trying to get in that discipline between I'm home, but I'm really at work what are some what are some design tips to kind of create that space where you're actually moving in your own home from your home space into your office space? Well, first, I would never put my office in your bedroom. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a lot of people do that, and I I think it's the worst idea ever. I mean, for your mental sanity, you can't have your work craziness corner where you're supposed to find your mental like sanctuary you know, that. and sleep. <laughs> so that's the first thing I tell people, don't do that because a lot of times the master bedroom's the biggest space and that's where they have a corner that they can do it. But I think that's the worst idea. Um, so I think having a place that's an office is the extra bedroom or an office space where it might be in the basement, but designating a place that is someplace you want to spend your time, you know, like I, I, ha I walk into some people's offices that need help and it, they're in the basement with no windows and they hate it. And it's like, well, no wonder I wouldn't want to work down here eight, 10 hours either, you know, like, so I think you have to create a place that you want to be. And so, you know, and I, I think that also lends to organization, uh, you know, it, organization for a small business is critical. So you don't want to have piles of crap everywhere. And I know that's how some people work, but mm -hmm. at the same time, you want it to be a place that you want to sit down at and work at and spend time at and be able to be productive. And so we work with people on, okay, what kind of storage needs do we have? What kind of computer needs do we have? What kind of equipment might you need? You know, and trying to really space plan out and design out a really good office. Um, you know, sometimes we come in and design, you know, someone's office, we might help them pick the colors and the furniture and do the art in the wall and 
you know, make it really cute for them. And we've had a couple clients that, you know, people don't have a knack for that. You know, that's why they hire us. I mean, mm -hmm. people do, but you know, a lot of people don't. And if they don't kind of take that step and have someone do it for them, they might live in that hovel of a space. <laughs> so true. Um, oh, so I don't know. It's funny. Just yesterday I had someone say to me, Oh, I've always wanted you to come help me ever since you did my, my boss, Amy's office or something. She's like, I always like to go visit my boss because she had a nice office. I was like, well, that's good. But I just had someone say that to me yesterday. And so, you know, I think your office should be a place you want to enjoy and spend time in too. So how can we design it to do so? Um, but I also think in my personal experience, I was in my home for a long time. And when I finally made the leap to not be in my home, my business exploded. So I think it's individual on what works for everyone. But I felt like for me, for one, it was such a great decision because I didn't want to have clients to my home. You know, I would on a rare occasion, but I've got kids. I don't want to clean up for a client meeting, you know? And so it started off as um, wanting a professional conference space, mm -hmm. mostly for me, and having a professional space that I could meet with my clients. Um, but it also became such a time saver for me yeah. because I was no longer having to travel to everyone and they wanted to come to me. And mm -hmm. so people like to come in and see us mm -hmm. and it saved me so much time, but I also think gave us the layer of just professionalism that, that can come with having your own space. Yeah, that's, I think, one of the, the big sticky points for business expansion really is that, you know, I've got a pretty controlled, you know, level of expenses when I'm working from my home. Mm -hmm. And then that's a, that's a pretty big leap to get, jump into the first office space. When well, you- co-working, it works great. And that's like really exploding in most cities, like yeah. different co-working environments and we had kind of done it you know just with a group of three of us but I think it was such a smart decision for all of us because it was shared expenses it gave us a space we all needed and it was kind of the in-between step before doing it on my own and I felt like it was a step I could afford mm -hmm. and it, I think it really was it really paid off so I think if you're really scared to take that big financial commitment um, there's intermediate options that, mm -hmm. you know, can, can expand and contract. Like we have a, now a few, you know, shared office spaces have opened up around us and they provide options, you know, which I think is great. So mm -hmm. you might find a few roommates that could do something like we did. And, and that was great. Or there's also these bigger companies that, you know, you can test the waters on, you know, a place like that and keep your expenses lower before you take a really big leap. Yeah. So now you've leapt, you know, from the design business into the retail business, which is just sort of notoriously known to be somewhat high risk. Yeah. So when you, you know, when you just saw that you had an opportunity to do that, um, what were, what were some of the biggest obstacles that you had in terms of just kind of shifting your mindset into being not only the owner of, you know, 
a design business, but now also an owner of a retail space, which requires very different management and different levels of inventory. What were, what were some of the things that you had to overcome to make that decision? <laughs> okay. Um, well, I had never worked retail. <laughs> so that was my biggest obstacle is what the heck am I doing? I don't know how to do inventory. I don't know how to do like, what am I doing with a point of sale? I didn't know how to do any of that stuff, but I mean, millions of people have done it, right? So there are resources. <laughs> so there's resources. I sought out friends that had done retail and they were an enormous help to me. I mean, just helping me create my spreadsheet for inventory and things like that. But, but our experience is a little different because with inter interior design, the things in our store are all things we had already been buying. You know, we had been buying, I'd been going to furniture markets like in North Carolina and in Vegas for years. And so I've been doing this kind of building of my goods, you know, just, but it was to a small audience. And so, you know, I had been picking out furniture lines that I liked to work with or had things that I liked, you know, that I wanted to present to my client and art and you know I had been kind of curating that collection for years and I kind of felt like it was only available to our our group of clients and so we wanted to make that more available to a broader audience and so we were already doing it in some ways you know what I mean mm -hmm. so it, it definitely took it to the retail level and having this shop that has hours and you know how you curate the shop but I guess we already had done a lot of research over the years to know what we wanted to put in it and what brands we trusted and, you know, so that we had invested time in knowing what those components would be. It was more the pieces of the store that I needed help with, like just figuring out how to run a retail business. And mm -hmm. so, um, but there's, like I said, so many people that do it. There's so many resources out there. I'm sure you know, most people that start thinking about doing that know people that have done it. And the, those people are such valuable resources to learn from. And, and I'm yeah. still learning from them, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's just, I think that's just so awesome that you've been able to realize that dream that you were talking about. And it's just sort of over a pro progression of time. And I think that that's one thing that that is really cool about it is that you really waited for the timing to be right. And I think that that's one thing that people struggle with is I want it all and I want it all right now. <laughs> so I think that's really cool that, you know, just the, the timing of it has all worked out. One thing that I, I wanted to ask you too is, you know, when you're, when you're working with people and you're working with entrepreneurs and you've now got this storefront to make design more accessible, what would you say are some of the biggest misconceptions about using interior design in your space? Because I'm sure that you run into that a lot. Where, so what would you say are the biggest misperceptions? And then what do you think are the biggest, you know, you know what is the high side of working with a firm like yours to design space? Okay. Well, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that it is for only the rich, you know? Um, and sure, I mean, there might be somebody that has 10 houses and they just hire their designer and say, okay, it's in Paris, do, uh, you know, 
go design it. Well, that there's not that many clients out there like that. That's not the realistic world that I live in. Well, I would say one of the biggest misconceptions is just that it is for the rich. And so we, we really work with people to help them understand the value of interior design because in a lot of ways, I feel like we actually save people money. I mean, of course, we have design fees and we need to make money off the work that we're doing on a project, but the way that we design it can help them save money in certain ways. The products that we pick out can help them save money. I mean, working with a designer, you get access to discounts on, you know, some brands. I mean, we sell furniture through our store, but I also have clients that they want to go to one of the bigger brand stores that are well known, you know, it's Pottery Barn or Restoration Hardware or something like that. Maybe they saw a couch there that they want to do. Um, and so we get discounts at those places. And so like if, you know, our client is looking to buy a significant, significant amount of stuff for their home, then a lot of times they're going to get the better value buying with us than they are, you know, just going directly to a store. So mm -hmm. that's one of the perks that I think our clients like is that, you know, they might've spent money on our design services to design that room, but at least they didn't pay full price for everything that's in it. And we helped them kind of prioritize, you know, maybe they wanted to splurge on a really nice sofa that would last them 10, 15, you know, 20 years, but we might be accessorizing with less expensive, you know, it's mm -hmm. all the balance of that budget and helping them kind of figure out what they can do um, yeah. with their money. And so that's, that's a big asset that we can provide to them is that we'll help you with your budget so that, mm -hmm. you know, I think a lot of people, they think, well, I want to redo like the whole first level of my home. It's going to cost so much money and this and that. And yeah, it is, you know, if you're going to redo the whole first level, let's start breaking it down into realistic chunks and okay, we got to do a budget and assign a number to that sofa we need to assign a number to art you have accessories okay we need an accessories budget but at least then you feel like you have control over it you know right. i think a lot of people go into a remodel and they just are at a total loss of control you know mm -hmm. and they they don't know what their budget is and so we just try and be the best advisor we can to help get them a cohesive design mm -hmm. and we hope advocate for design it first mm -hmm. the first thing you can do is pick out things one at a time and try and piecemeal it together you know right, right. you at least have the design together in the beginning if you can't afford all the stuff that's in that design and you don't want to give up like you know certain aspects of it then do it over time you know so at least you know the direction that you're going and, you know, if that particular chair is discontinued in six months when you're able to buy it, at least you're replacing that one piece, not the whole look, you know, it doesn't right. snowball into a disaster. So, yeah. Tell me a little bit about the sort of the geographical area that you work with clients. Are okay. you, are you primarily just in the Kansas City area? Have you you know, do, can you work with clients anywhere? Tell, just tell the audience a little bit about your business and, and how you work with clients. Sure. I mean, we are predominantly here in the Kansas City metro. So we do a lot of work in Lee Summit because we're based here, but we're in, you know, all the suburban areas of Kansas City. Um, so we kind of stretch all the way to Lawrence and 
um, sometimes the other direction to like Lake Lottawana or Clinton in Missouri. Um, so we kind of, you know, that's kind of our driving distance, you know, radius, but we've done work in Colorado, we've done work in California. So um, those are relationships with people that we had that wanted us to do, you know, mm -hmm. a home in mm -hmm. those areas. So when they, you know, if they want us to do so, then we'll travel and with those jobs that we did travel, but there's also a lot, if there's, you know, already architectural plans, um, there's a lot that we can do remotely at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, in those particular instances, the clients wanted us to fly out and go on shopping with them and things like that. So, I mean, if it's, you know, something that um, we see as doable, then, you know, absolutely we'll travel for the work. Yeah, that's awesome. So just as some final thoughts, what you know, as, as you think back on your journey of an, uh, as an entrepreneur to date, and we still got many, many years ahead of us, uh, so many more things to learn, I'm sure, but what would you say has been the biggest lesson or, you know, kind of your, you know, the, the, the one thing that kind of stands out in your mind as something that has been sort of an extraordinary learning from your entrepreneurial journey? Okay. I, I think I look back and I, I focus on a few key mentors that I've had along the journey. And sometimes just a phrase of theirs has stuck with me. Like one was um, this project manager I worked under in California. And he had always told me stories about this bad economy they went through. What was that like in the late 80s? Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So in the late 80s. And you know, I was in high school at the time. <laughs> so I, you know, I was oblivious to the bad economy back then. Um, and he had said to me that, you know, when we go through periods like that, only the good survive. And so I think when I went through that, you know, bad economy, when I was building my business in 2006, seven, eight, that stuck in the back of my mind that I knew this was what I wanted to do. I knew I was good at what I did. And I had to continually put that faith in myself that everything was going to be all right eventually, you know? And so I think if you put the trust and the faith in yourself and it's what you want to be doing, then you're in the right place. And so, you know, they, they say that about bad economies because I think like right now we're in a good economy and I have seen a lot more competitors come to the table and some of it drives me crazy. Like I'll see these people on Instagram that they have no design degree. They have never worked in a design firm and yet they're on Instagram in good pictures, like they're an expert and uh, you know, they'll create a website and I look at the fee schedule and I'm like, wow, they've copied our fee schedule or whatever. And they can promote themselves in a way that looks legitimate. But you know what, if the economy turns, not having the knowledge and the, and the, and the, the background for, your career um, is where that starts to filter. Mm -hmm. And of course, I don't ever, you know, wish that someone will fail. Um, but I think, you know, there's, you've got to build a foundation to your career. You have to do your business planning. And I think um, if, if you're doing that, you're getting the right education and you have the passion for it, 
all of those will help you succeed. And I think when it when the fields get real busy, it's because there's a lot of people out there that don't know what their passion is and they don't know what they want to do. And I have a lot of friends that are in that boat, you know, and they will hop around to I'll try this, I'll try that. And, you know, and that's when I think when, you know, things, things will filter. <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. Sense? <laughs> no, I think that's, I think that's great advice because there are times, like you say, in the cycle of the economy where the water gets really cloudy in any kind of of entrepreneurial venture where all of a sudden the barrier to entry seems really easy because there's lots of work, there's a demand, and it really is, as soon as things start tightening up, the ones who are truly passionate, dedicated, and really trying to be a master of the craft are gonna be the ones that probably see the other side of that economy slump. So I think that's fantastic advice. If you people are- so eloquently. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. If people want to get a hold of you, Kelly, how would they get a hold of you? We're going to put it all in the show notes so they can go in and click, but just what would be a great way for people to connect with you, the design studio, the store? What, what would be a great way? What, what's the connection? Well, we've got a great website, so I'd love for you to check out our website. Um, we've got a page on there about the store and then it highlights our design work as well. So that's hldesignstudio.com. Um, we're all over Instagram and Facebook all the time. You know, that's a huge part of just us getting our word out about the store and what our products are and what we're doing here. Because um, our store is a little different too. You know, having the combination of the design studio and the retail space, it's not a common thing. So we kind of want to educate people on what we are about and what we're trying to do. So you'll see a lot of that on our Instagram and Facebook, just us us doing these kind of things, explaining, <laughs> explaining awesome. what we do and what we've That's got. Awesome. So. Well, I just thank you so much for your time today. As they say on Instagram, you were very inspo. Is that the, is that the way that they say it? <laughs> Yes. Yes. Or, or what's your inspo or yes. Yeah. Well, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Rena. It was great to see you and thanks for reaching out. I really appreciate it. It was great to see you. You bet. This is Rena Striggle and you have been listening to the Courage to Breakthrough podcast. Please visit my website at renastriggle.com and find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you haven't yet, please go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another inspirational episode where you will hear how real life people just like you have discovered the courage to break through.